Hello, Traveler! Welcome to the Dub Talk Historical Archives, an audio reference guide for all conversations involving English adaptations of Japanese animation. You may feel free to explore any episode you wish. You've chosen the Girls' Last Tour Archive. Now, before proceeding, there are a few provisos from the original authors. Firstly, the Dub Talk podcast may contain strong language that is not suitable for younger travelers. Listener discretion is advised. Secondly, the following conversation will contain spoilers about Girls' Last Tour and any and all media being discussed. If you prefer to consume your media completely unspoiled, please be wary before proceeding any further. And lastly, the opinions expressed in the Dub Talk podcast are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Now, beginning the deep, yet adorable exploits of humanity's last members as they take their legendary last tour. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the final tour of All of Humanity. It's been a good long run for us humans. We had our ups, we had our downs, we had a whole lot of downs, but it's time to close a chapter on this great experiment known as humankind. But to finish off this tour, we have to take a look through the eyes of two cute Moe girls, because if there's one thing that we've learned as our time as anime podcast people, it's that everything looks better when you look at it through the eyes of cute Moe girls. Isn't that right, guys? I'm a fish, Chi. Somebody kill me! (laughs) (laughs) It's muffin time! (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad I picked you two for this. Hooray! (laughs) Hooray. Look, Andrew, if you're going to be a fish for this, can we eat you when we're done? Because I'm really hungry right now. I'm high in omega fee and very fatty. I don't care, I'll still eat you. They, they found out Omega-3 really isn't bad for you. That that whole it's bad for you thing was a bunch of nonsense. So I, let's fry him up. You ready, Lilac? I, I, oh, no. I still eat you, sweetie. No, no I, need, I need to swim away. Swim away. Swim away. No, you're not. You get back here. <laughs> oh, get, get back in your tank. Uh, anyways. Um, so. So, uh, so who is this no. asshole talking to us? Couldn't. In case you couldn't tell, uh, this is Noah Clue coming to you from the end of the world. Yes, we are the last three inhabitants of the entire humanity. Hello. Um, I feel, uh, to my I feel ri- so sorry for Noah right now. Because <laughs> he's stuck with the two dating heterosexuals. I just want to watch. Is it okay <laughs> if I just watch? <laughs> you know what they say, three's company. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is true. Speaking of the company, um, to my right, I have the illustrious Lilac. Hello, it's muffin time! <laughs> Sorry. You're gonna keep saying that all the episode, aren't you? No, I'm not, but do you even you don't even know where the reference is from, do you? I, I thought you were referencing, like, um, Lazy Town? No, no Asif movie. Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> we, need to show no this, we need to show him the bit later, but not now. You're old. Yes. <laughs> Look here, we're on the, no one and I are whoa, on the same whoa, age. Whoa. No one and I are on the same a- age, alright? We are, the same year, yes. too, I think. Yes, no one's just Anyways, a little bit older than me. 
Anyways, who am I? I don't think I have a name yet. I don't care. I don't care, Andrew. (laughs) Ah, shit, there it is. Andrew! I like the sound of that. (laughs) Introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Andrew. I am also a member of the Dub Talk podcast, along with these two illustrious uh, tank people. Yeah, keep sucking up. And we are trying to survive the end of the world with our rations and our wits, hopefully before Mm. they come to an end. It's cheese flavored. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. Yes. Yes, the musical episode of the post-apocalyptic world. Nihilism has never looked so goddamn moe. <laughs> Dead men tell no whales. Dead men tell, Dead men no, tell whales. no whales. That's how it goes, right? Yes, exactly how it goes. So I have a genuine question for you, mm. Mr. Clue, comma, Noah. <laughs> what is this show about? So did we did we even is, introduce I, the show? Yes, we did. Well, I'm assuming the people who no, we didn't. No, we, we didn't, didn't actually. We didn't Let's say do that, that first. Tour. I I mean, I'm assuming the people watching this can read the title that says that we are covering the land of the illustrious. <laughs> but if they couldn't, <laughs> stop fucking the fourth wall. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm lying. I'm lying. So okay, we are we are covering Yurisei Yatsura because we have finally gotten approval to cover old shows on here. Uh, assuming Lilac doesn't even know what that is because she's not cutting me off right this second. What the fuck even is that? I'm trying cut. to cut. Cut. Oh cut. 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 He doesn't show cut. up for the second episode. Cut. Cut. <laughs> cut. I'm a dumb talk editor. Cut! (laughs) Cut! That's standing. (laughs) That's what he's saying. (laughs) Lilac, would you please bonk him on the head? (laughs) I I, I need. uh, Yes, I'll go do that right now. Thank you. Okay, in all seriousness. So, um, there's this uh, little show that came out back in uh, 2016 called Girls Last Tour. Um, if you haven't seen the show yet, um, basically the world has ended. Um, humanity has ceased existing. The only thing that's left of them is the remnants of their once large industrial cities. But we do have two surviving humans. We have two girls named Chito and Yuri who are traveling through this industrial complex, trying to get to the top of it on what's called a kitten crowd, which is basically what happens if you took a motorized three-wheeler and a tank, and they made sweet, sweet love to each other, and they made a mobile device that you could get around this world in. It's a shockingly practical uh, practical device, too. Yeah, it is, actually. Yep. It- it's mobile enough to get you anywhere, and it has those treads that you can get over just about yep, anything. Yep, it's very, uh, it's a heavy-duty machinery going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Now, because, um, uh, now you may be wondering, like, well, that doesn't sound like a whole show. It can't be a whole show if it's just two people at the end of the world. Kind of is, actually. I assure you. It is. It, it Basically, the best way to describe it is, if you've ever gone on a long road trip with a buddy of yours, especially a really nerdy buddy, after a while, you guys just start talking with each other, and you start contemplating about everything that comes into your minds, about life, about liberty, about the pursuit of rations, and all of that is what makes up the 12-episode bulk of the series, as the two characters travel through the industrial complex and talk about... A whole lot of stuff, which we're going to get through throughout this whole thing. 
if I may make a deep cut here. God damn it. <laughs> imagine, imagine this entire show is the first ever episode of Red vs. Blue, where it's the two soldiers that are just standing there, where it's like, hey, you ever wonder why we're here? That's one of life's great mysteries, oh isn't my it? God, and the one gets right. more and more philosoph- philosophical, and the other's like, no? What? What are you talking about? I just meant, why are we here in this canyon? And that's basically Girls' Last Tour. It is, really. With a slightly more moified aspect to it. And way, way darker and more thematic in its themes. At least not until, like, the later seasons of Red vs. Blue. Also, may I correct you quickly, it's 2017, not 2016. Ah, yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, the manga came out in 2014, and you're right, the series came out in 2017. Um, on a personal note, is one of my absolute favorite series that did come out that year. Probably would have been like my favorite series that premiered that year. Only held off the top spot by a little indie project called Made in Abyss. Mm. Never heard of it. Yeah, so. so <laughs> That's a contrast, lie! To contrast that show, which was all about going down the hole, we're going to talk about this show that's all about going up. See what I did there? Oh, wow, you're right. That you're is right. funny. Yeah, just by complete coincidence, those two shows came out at the same time. Oh, the irony. But also picked out by yeah. the same company. Mm. That's true. That company being Sentai Filmworks, who was nice enough to dub and release the whole show up for streaming. And that is what we're going to talk about. So, are my two post-apocalyptic survivors ready? Aye, aye, Chief! Aye, aye, Captain! Yeah. Alright, let's launch off here. So... Uh, First thing we should talk about, as we do on these lovely podcasts, is we're going to talk about the ADR director and the scriptwriter, and I believe that Andrew wanted to mention one more role in the crew before we got too much further. On the very rare occasion, we do Yes. The reason I bring up this specific member of the production, ADR direction and scriptwriter are very integral elements that... There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes of dub production that we ourselves cannot specifically judge because we don't really know the inner workings. And that those two things are the voice direction and the script adaptation. And those are the things we can usually tell the most from the surface level of the production. But since Girls Last Tour is a very small cast... Mm-hmm. We can get away with talking about another member of this team, especially because in a world that is as integral to this, one of the most important things about it is sound. So yes. for tonight, it's ADR director, scriptwriter, and mix and audio engineer. Correct, for the English side on this, because while the Japanese had great audio too, there's a lot of parts of the English adaptation that needed to be translated over that deserves high props for this series in particular Mm. so the talented individuals who brought this to the big screen not the big screen the little screen we have adr director shannon reed for writer we have marta bechtel and for our illustrious member of the mix engineer department we have one brian leach i want you to remember that name because that, like Andrew said, that's worth talking about. So, what has Shannon done before? Well, Shannon has directed such Sentai shows as School Live, Sarune, and Tamako Love Story the Movie. Marta Bechtel, you have heard before, and you will hear continuously throughout this month, because she's written for a lot, such as Anonymous Noise, Food Wars, and Devil's Line, just to name a couple of things. Oh, Devil's Line. Uh, 
Oh, no, 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 we won't go oh, too much Oh, don't, you today. weren't there, but- He okay. was there! No, no, you made me- You made me oh, yeah, watch an right. episode, remember? Ah! You, no, you weren't- We all watched the scene on the no, stairs. No, 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 you didn't see the whole show. You only know the one scene, both of you. <laughs> Fair enough. That is not- I'm not gonna say that's enough to know the whole show, but that is enough to know this show's messed up and I must watch more of it. Ah, yeah, you need to do that. Yeah. Just don't- so. Just don't let the kids watch it! <laughs> oh, God, no. There is a designated kids may not watch TV with dad time in the household, and it starts right now. Good. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so now that we know who the people are, um, it's time to get a little critical on this, because um, unlike myself, Lilac and Andrew have only seen the dub of this. Yes. So uh, this will be an interesting thing to talk about. Lilac, I want your first and foremost opinions about this groundbreaking series. Ladies first, huh? Oh, Lord. I didn't, this is this is more in the comment of the show in general, I didn't think or know it was going to be as philosophical as it was. Um, it's, it's one of those situations where you would think a show that really just has two people traveling around at the end of the world is going to be boring. But um, the show itself has a lot of philosophical themes and different different thematic and tonal concepts that are actually really interesting episode to episode like every individual episode has like their own distinct set pieces and discussion points right exactly um so the key part with the dub is being able to bring those concepts and those philosophical themes forward in a strong way the writing marta is spectacular she's a spectacular writer and she really got to sink her teeth into this for sure on the writing side and just bringing those concepts and those themes to an english-speaking audience i think some of my favorite episodes were in the latter half of the series where like i think it's episode nine with the robot the fish and wally the fish and wally uh that was actually i think one of my favorite episodes and then the episode 11 was also fantastic as well when they are in the submarine and then they magically basically it's like bluetooth in a submarine uh connect the camera they've had the whole time and they actually got to see a lot of images and videos from the past when civilization was still around and just a very interesting concept um so on the writing and marta did spectacular with this just to bring every little piece of it out of out into the world um directing wise for shannon reed because this is the second actual i think maybe full time i've talked to talked about him as a director uh first being serenade which ironically enough at the time of this recording we recorded early this week shannon definitely had a tough task ahead of him with such a very very minuscule cast realistically speaking he only had two actresses to work with here realistically speaking there are some one off like one-off characters that stick around for like an episode or so um and we're going to talk about a couple of them but for the most part it's just chi and you that's it so the tough task for him as well as the actresses who portray the two characters is making the show both entertaining to watch for an english-speaking audience and still bringing out those philosophical concepts and i think on Shannon's part, directing-wise, I think he cast, particularly those two leads, he cast them with really good actresses that not only bounce off of each other very well, they bring their each of their persisting personalities to life. They, he, the direction that he gave them made the show entertaining. It made it more compelling and captivating to me. 
Um, Mixing-wise is a very interesting situation. Um, I didn't write that many notes about the mixing because I didn't realize we were going to talk about the mixing until today. Well, let's make this very easy then. Were there any parts about the, the sound overall that really stood out to you? Like episodes where like either feelings or emotions were conveyed just from the audio alone? I think the most interesting aspects were two to three characters specifically. It would be the robot cut and the um, giant entity thing that we meet in the last episode. Because um, mm-hmm. the robot is a robot. You have to make him robot. And then you have Cut, who's very interesting. He's there the for like... The robot is a robot. That's very deep. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. The robot that. is a robot. I love Dear Automata. <laughs> People die when they are killed. <laughs> All right, assholes. <laughs> Noah, I love you. You're an asshole. Andrew, I don't love you anymore. You're an asshole. <laughs> It's okay, I still love you, babe. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, the robot is obviously given a distinctive, like, mechanical radio voice of some kind. Cut's a very interesting one because Cut doesn't actually have a voice speaking from a body. Cut uses a radio to talk. A very crappy radio that somehow magically works. So a lot of the mixing for those distinct pieces are very interesting to me. And then some of the transitions from... Um, different sounds muffled sounds or singing is actually a thing that happens in here too a little bit it's uh, it's very captivating uh-huh. to me i think the mixing is very strong on this one personally um and it makes sense since we never talked about this individual before and some of the cries we just talked about a second ago uh makes makes a lot of sense for this individual but yeah this show itself is very relaxing and the direction and the writing and the mixing all all three are really solid on all fronts now before i pass this over to andrew did you have like you said that episode nine you said was your favorite episode right yes it was very, yeah, it was very interesting. Was it because of just the fact that we had like another character to talk to, or was there a philosophical discussion they had that really stood out to you? It's the discussion of because um, she and you have the discussion of what exactly it means to be a living being, what qualifies as a living being, mm-hmm. and um, they came to the decision like this little robot here. It's a living being. It's talking. It's acknowledging us and everything like that. But then the larger robot, the construction robot, for some reason, at, at least in the beginning of, of the episode itself, it wasn't qualified as a living being right. in their eyes. It's a very interesting idea. Yeah. If I may also contribute, since that was another episode that really stood out strongly to me, I also felt like it was one of the more interesting episodes to me because they have a lot of ideas Mm-hmm. about the world, life, their existence that they bring up. But they, because of the fact that this world is basically empty, a lot of their ideas and perspectives are never truly challenged. And I think what made that episode particularly interesting is that it was an episode where she and especially you yes, were challenged in their way of thinking like they straight up say what would you do if a robot just walked up to you and said hello would that how would you react Mm -hmm. and what the fuck do you think's the first thing that happens hello and that was that was a really interesting like changing of perspectives yeah because they're because what their knowledge of the world a lot of it is based on their real life experiences for one, but it's also a lot of it's based on what they hear from people like their their grandpa, as well as the knowledge, especially for Chi, the knowledge she gets from reading books. 
It's the knowledge they get from reading books. It's the knowledge that they get from hearsay or sometimes mm-hmm. hear from mm-hmm. talking to their grandpa. Yep. So, and yeah. Yeah, t- take the ball and roll with that, All Andrew. Right. Talk about direction and writing. Go with it. Okay, so I will say this. There's a couple of characters in this show. I think, for the most part... This is a very subdued cast Mm -hmm. in the way that they interact with each other. Nobody's really that wacky. Mm -hmm. Like, even the wackiest character in this show, which is you, is very... She's wacky in almost a subdued way. Yes. Like, she's they're mostly just kind of quiet individuals, and a lot of the humor delivery is kind of dry. Oh, very. Like... Like, she's goofy in that some of the things she says she says are quirky, but it also very much sounds like somebody who is an older teenage, like, older young adult individual who never really got a proper education of the world because they both kind of left the world they knew when they were very young. So they are wise but they are also very they don't really know a lot of things so it's like they are basically just older children that are kind of trying to survive in this world and i think that's actually one of the things i think the designs of them being moe blobish actually helps get that point across even more to me is that they look and sort of seem like quizzical children Mm -hmm. that were all that never really learned about their surroundings but have always been surviving in it Mm mm-hmm and I think that's interesting. I will say one of the voices in this show did take me at least a couple episodes to really adapt myself to get used used to, but I don't ever think they were a bad fit. It just like they seemed a little bit flatter than I think I was initially expecting, but they definitely grew into the role and like really got to show off their stuff, especially in the second half of the series. Okay, so it sounds like the di- like not just their acting, but maybe the direction got a little clearer as the show had gone along. I think so. Yes, I will say this about Shannon Reed in particular. I think Shannon is a good director, but I think Shannon seems to be somebody who has trouble with larger ensembles. Mm. I think larger ensembles is where it gets a little bit more muddled for his work. And I'd argue the strongest stuff with his material is when there is a smaller but more core-centered focus cast. I kind of agree with that because, like, School Live is probably the f- my favorite thing that he's directed. School Live is exactly the one I'm thinking of because that is another show of cast of, like, at most five to seven people. I haven't seen School Love. I can't say anything. I don't have an opinion. It's a happy, fun time show where nothing but cute girls frolic around school and ha- they have a puppy and they, they have a bath or a pool scene. This sounds like a fantastic time. I'm going to go watch it now. Like School Live is also a very a, sh- a show that's intensive of a lot of crazy reactions, revelations, and very outward reactions, so yeah. to speak. So you need people, like, you need a smaller cast to be giving 110%. This is a show where you have a smaller cast, but it feels like you can work with the characters and play with the actors, but you don't need them to really go nuts. In fact, it almost seems like you're kind of required to have them feel a little cool and restrained in a sense. This show runs more on subdued and subtle undertones. Yeah, subtle, definitely. Subtle for sure. And I think 
I think definitely Shannon's strength is with working with a smaller crew for sure. But I do think all in all, the actors and actresses that were brought onto this project, they were ultimately good fits and the direction as well as their delivery blended very well with the world and environment that girls last tour was trying to say with writing there's not too much i can particularly add because a lot of it's particularly just writing that i think was probably present in the sub as well as the dub in regards to a lot of the more philosophical dialogue but i will bring mention to at least a couple of fun little line deliveries my favorite one is when they're exploring what is the uh the housing district and they imagine like their own playhouse and stuff oh yeah which... when they, they find a whole empty apartment and yeah oh their own home that was cute i love that which that's the power of imagination and that was actually really delightful which i'll get more to the sound stuff in a bit but i just want to say i really love the exchange where they're like so she is that a house no how sad shut it <laughs> and i love the wordplay of how sad to how sad and i'm pretty sure that wasn't there in the japanese and that's just really good like i think the show's really good with like really dry comedy yep here's another fun gem that was set that i said earlier dead men tell tell no whales <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's a line i think it's dead man tell no lies i mean there there were some word plays in the japanese too and to give high props to Marta, she did adapt them into a way that would actually work in the. Yes. Oh, oh no! I'm I'm sure that some of that stuff didn't translate as well, and I'd say and I'm giving Marta props that I think that one in particular is a good example of making that kind of pun or joke work in English, and I think it actually got a good chuckle. It it wasn't like a ha 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 ha. It was like a <laughs> that's cute because this show is not really a har har laughter fest. Except in, like, one or two places. I mean, if you are laughing at this, then, like, like har-har laughing at it, then you probably have some very skewed ideas about very, very black comedy. You're laughing because the woman gets her plane exploded and all of her work goes in the air, and she's just smiling because she realized nothing matters, all my hard work went up in smoke, all she could do is smile because everything's hopeless. And I'm like, that's really interesting. That's kind of dark. <laughs> she blue screened. She blue screened hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. But back to what I was going to say. The sound design of this show is basically the third main character. And the things that this world is made up of a lot of is a lot of clanking, clacking, like gravel, metal, crashing, clanking, as well as working with the snow, working with falling apart, the rust, the little nuts and bolts falling off. You've got a world of pure metal. And you've got that metal that's muffles some of the sound quality you've got some of it that's just clanking and clattering all around like that clanking and clattering thing is especially critical during the rain song which can i say oh, the yes. rain song fucking slaps <laughs> that was a lot of more energy than i expected on that one it's so good that song is so good and it's like i can listen so it is it's fantastic not since the days of a goofy movie and on the open road has an improvisational song been so good yes uh eat your heart out cups from pitch perfect um 
<laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I'm still gonna laugh. Anyways, uh, but no, there's just a lot of the sound design, and also a lot of good sound mixing for certain characters, uh, especially in regards to the robot and Cut, how their voices have, like, this much more electrical and sometimes tinny sounding vibe to them because they're coming through not human mouths, they are coming through electrical sources, which... Also, can I say one of my favorite sound things uh, in the show is the two robots talking with each other. Yes. And there's this weird alien, like, a like technological foreign screen, but both of them have a voice that is distinctly their own, and you can tell which one is talking amongst the two, and I think that's just really cool. Yeah. There's so much to this world, and there's so much environmental storytelling. You can write an entire story about how the tank is pouring water. That's really cool! There's a lot of detail in the story. There's a lot of detail in the environment, and it's a character in and of itself. But this world sounds and feels like it's alive, and you needed, not only was it good in Japanese, you needed to bring that alive in English, and I gotta commend Brian for the sound mixing of both, like, the vocal performances in English, as well as the sound effects and the things around everything between you and she as well. Yeah. It sounds quiet and empty but beautiful as well yeah a big chunk of the series's appeal is also a reason why i don't think as many people have seen this because once you find out that this is a slow contemplative and kind of eerie show about two girls trying to survive in a world where humanity has basically died you get a whole lot of like leisure out of it you get that leisure of Society no longer exists, so we don't have to worry about maintaining jobs or going to school or any other thing besides just surviving. And if you're still, if you're on board with a lot of the themes that they discuss, because they don't usually resolve the themes they're talking about. They talk about them, but they don't say one way is right and the other way is wrong. That's why the two characters mm -hmm. work off of each other really well. The writing has to be so careful because a lot of it is dialogue where the characters are saying one thing but they're really thinking of another. There's a character, like they're going up a spiral and they compare life to a spiral. And just very quietly, very plainly, they say, I wonder what happens when we get to the end of the spiral. It's like, yeah. push my brain. My blown. Like the whole show is just littered with lots of little gems like that. And if it wasn't adapted well by the English writers, it would have fallen incredibly flat. So. Marta, great job on this. Like you said, Lila, like, this is the kind of show where I think a writer can really sink their teeth into because we we live for something that's this deep, like this complex, this really intricate writing. Con like I, I love it so much. I wish I could have written for it. So on to the direction portion of it. Um, have either of you two seen any cartoons that were voice acted by British people? I have, in fact, seen cartoons voiced by British people, yes. I'm talking about like actually voiced by British people, not Americans doing British accents. I did watch some of Mary and the Witch's Flower, and so yes, that is one. Okay, see, that's actually that's a pretty good example. I mean, technically speaking, there's this thing called Helsing. I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts either. I think that's just good, like those were all uh, vocal um, direction. Yeah, those were mostly American actors. He means something where you could tell that this is the limey Brits. 
And they got their scones all over this thing. Right, yeah, so if you Look here, there's one or two in the Helsing dub that are actually British. Well, the, the point I bring this up, like, I'm trying to circle this back around again. British voice acting, more in the past, but less so nowadays, has been very rightly accused of being hushed and muffled. Like, a lot of times, if you go back and watch some stuff like um, Watership Down or the Patterson car uh, Paddington cartoon or anything that's mm -hmm. dubbed like that... British actors, when they talk quietly, they muffle their speech in Paris a lot. And I was a little worried that in the English version of Girls Last Tour, that because a lot of the characters speak in hushed tones, that they would also be a bit too muffled. Luckily, the actors on this enunciate their words really well. So there's nothing lost in when they're echoing because they're in a giant metal tube or because they're being super quiet with each other or anything like that. You can clearly tell what they're saying all the time. And I re I'm really glad that Shannon directed them like that because that, that would have been a mm -hmm. shame if we had lost what they're saying just by trying to be super hushed. So thank you very much, Shannon. The only qualm I kind of have is and this may have just because it took me a little while to get used to it, but the two main characters, I had a hard time telling the difference between the two of them for the first couple of episodes. When the camera wasn't directly pointed at them, and they were both speaking back and forth, I couldn't quite tell who was who because their speech patterns were very similar to each other. I don't know if you guys had that similar problem. I think I was very easily able to tell Yu's particular voice apart from Chi, though there were a couple of times they sounded a little similar. Okay. A couple times, but for the most part, I could tell. I could tell, and personally, I think it's a credit to both the actresses of Chi and you. They still gave them distinct personalities that I could tell them apart. Okay. Which we will definitely dig into what those personalities are later. Uh, I, I hope so, because otherwise, then what are we doing here? But just promise me, Andrew, you won't push that missile and launch and set the whole city on fire, please. Just wait till we get to the end of the episode, okay? To uh oh. Did you say when we finish? God damn it. Uh anyways, I'm not I'm not saying we need a fire extinguisher, but we might need a fire extinguisher. Great, great. Lilac, you were supposed to keep him on a leash. Like, like we had this discussion before we started. No I'm sorry. Nobody's gonna miss Alberta, right? Look, Canada's done nothing wrong. All they've done is burn the White House down. Andrew, you're not allowed to play with matches anymore. Come on, give give them to me. Come on. <sighs> Fine. Thank you, Thank you Um. So before we move on, look here. I know you're gonna. I look here. I know you're gonna get back at me later. So stop it. Okay. The, the continuing saga it never ends. But before we move on, I do want to um, agree with my two cohorts here that the sound mixing was also not just great for the voice actors themselves, but all the incendiary background noise that Brian had to mix into this because a lot of the if you just recorded someone's audio and slapped it onto a dialogue-free version of the original Japanese, you wouldn't get the convincing sound of actually living in the world. You would have like a very obviously tacked-on voiceover that didn't match. So you have to adjust the pitch, you have to add echo or reverb if they're in certain locations, you have to really give the sense that they're in a metallic world. And that's not really easy to do, especially if you know, like, industrial places at all. Like, my dad, as all of his life, has always worked as um, floor managers on mechanical engineering floor plants, like, 
uh, factories of some sort. So when I see this world that is entirely made up of pipes and tubes and catwalks and lights flickering, like fluorescent lights, I was getting deja vu to being 10 years old and being in a giant factory where no one else was around. So I know what it's supposed to sound like, and I really, really liked how they mixed it to match that sound. It's something I don't think I've ever really heard in another anime before, because I don't, I don't know how many other animes take place in a mechanical city like this. So with that, good job on the crew and the staff. This was not an easy task. It's a very thankless task, and you guys knocked it out of the robotic park. Huzzah! Huzzah. So, uh, I suppose, uh, well, we've got a lot of characters to talk about in this show. So, um, we've got about three million people in this show. There's so many. Including, including the snow. Uh, I mean, no, no, I'm just talking, I'm talking about the people who, uh, who died before the show started. God damn so, it. So, um, I just want to say that all three million dead people in the city, um, they did a great job. I, I couldn't even tell they were there. <laughs> God damn it, Noah! Uh, going to mechanical hell, I just know We're it. We're all going to hell. It's I gotta say, I'm genuinely surprised there's not a single body in this city. Either, like, everybody... Either this happened a long time ago and not even, like, the bones have decayed now, or... Yeah. The robot uprising really did a thorough job at getting rid of the bodies. Oh. Did ooh. you see the fire from the one robot? Like, just burn everything. It, it was, like, if you've seen Nausicaa... Like, I don't know if you two have seen the movie Nausicaa. I don't think so. Nausicaa? Oh, no, not Nausicaa. Oh, Nausicaa! Nausicaa, the Valley yeah. of the Wind. The fuck's Nausicaa? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there, there's, like, two dots over the U. So you gotta, you gotta say it differently. Nope. That sounds like the pronunciation that a Japanese producer would force you to say. Bottom line, no, I haven't seen Nausicaa. Well, okay, the point I was making is that there's the opening scene of that movie. They, they show these giant um, beasts that have basically set the world on fire. And I swear right. to God that they included a shot just like that in the episode where they're showing basically what the giant robots did when the world was battling against each other because it is just that hmm. apocalyptic so i have a question for you uh mr noah clue mm. do robots dream of electric fish god damn it hopefully not because we don't see any electric fish in this movie we do see a real fish we see a real and it was tasty. I'm a fish. I, I love how cute that is, where it's just like, I'm a fish, Chi. <laughs> so many <laughs> cute moments in this. Chi's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Let's try to stay on the topic of the robots here, because, um, yes, um, this whole world is mostly devoid of any life or activity. However, we do run across one robot who we have dubbed Fish Wally, because he basically is the last living operating robot whose entire existence is just to maintain an aquarium with a single fish in it he he's not he, well, correction he's not the last living robot but he's the last communicative he is now well true he's the last communicative robot yeah, so we have the robot um just called the autonomous robot and one more character who we want to talk about in this section here really quickly we're going to talk about a character who in the original japanese he he looks similar to a cat so, which is Nico in Japanese. So, in Japanese, they called him Nuko. So, for English, that wouldn't quite make sense. So, they, instead of calling it a cat, they call it Cut. It's this, this mm -hmm. sort of weird, white, blobbish creature that 
not only eats bullets, but also is apparently looks really tasty to you. All I know is we need to establish that this character is called Cut, as in C-U-T, because any slip in the way we say this, it could sound very inappropriate. Very bad. Could be very insulting. You're the only one who would think that, Andrew. So anytime you hear, the, you think you hear the word "cut" from Andrew! us, it's not actually "cut." It's just, it's just a bit of extra saliva in our mouth when we're talking in that moment. Jesus Christ, what is babe! With you East Coast people, like no, no one, no one in the Midwest would think that. You clearly haven't lived in the big city, Noah. <laughs> I, no, I haven't. I'm trying to get there. So, so wait, give me another five years. Cut, cut is adorable. Cut is so precious. Cut is very adorable. And ha and it speaks through a radio. Like you said, Lilac speaks through a very crappy mm -hmm. radio. So yep. for these two characters, yes, they are non-human characters, but they do have speaking voices. For the robots, we are treated to the voice of Craig Daly. And for the voice of Cut, speaking through portions of the radio... We are treated to the voice of Kalen Coates. So, where have you heard these two before? You have heard Craig as Akira in Food Wars. You've heard him as Tenma in Love Story. And you've heard him as Morita in Sakamoto. For Kalen, you have also heard in probably quite a few things. Not the least of which would be Grunhild in Bodacious Space Pirates. Anji in Majestic Prince. And Jin in Problem Children Are Coming From Another World. Now, uh, to actually talk about these, I'm not even going to create an order here. I'm just going to say, um, I'm going to go forward and talk about this. Uh, the robot is the best character in the whole show. I, I don't have care any discussions about this. The robot ooh, is adorable. That's, ooh, I would argue Cut is also up there, though. That that We can discuss that. Here, put your arm here. We're gonna... I could argue Cut, but I mean, it's hard. I would agree with you, but Cut's also a good character, too. Okay. They, have they have done literally nothing wrong in their they entire lives. That is true. <laughs> they, they are. They are both. They're serving their function and are just being perfect individuals. Um, but uh, to really emphasize why the character is so great, uh, Craig is speaking in a kind of a normal speaking voice. He's speaking in a very distinctly American accent, but then the audio engineers... Uh, just like in the Japanese, put this highly muffled um, speaker voice over it. Um, it doesn't make him sound robotic, but it does make it sound like he is coming in from another dimension, basically. Um, and I would say let's let's go with aged. That is another good way to put it. Because, uh, I mean, how, who knows how long the robot has been there for? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we do get the idea that this war that has basically decimated all of humanity took place a long time ago. Yep. I mean, you can look at the tech, like, look at the technology that they have. They have a camera. They have motorcycles that look, that are made out of, like, World War II style tanks. And mm -hmm. they have radios that are, like, who has a mobile radio anymore? Anybody? Nobody. So like, it looks like 1960s technology at the very most. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, so so to put that into the robot here, uh, the voice is just absolutely adorable. It's this really um, very caring, very sensitive robot that has clearly been programmed with empathy. And mm -hmm. the way Craig portrays it is just really, really adorable. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? Uh, I personally just love how he is this very authoritative person who is explaining matter-of-factly what his deal is, what their location is, what his purpose is. You and cannot all eat the, the fish. And all the meanwhile, he's just like, you cannot eat the fish. Do not eat the fish. <laughs> Do not eat the fish. Can, can you stop it's like, 
Not really. <laughs> I do not even I fish. I cannot do I will not harm you, but it is with extreme displeasure I say please do not eat the fish. You bitch ass motherfucker. <laughs> what did I just tell you? Put it down. Put it down right now. Right know. now and it's in your mouth. Oh god. <laughs> god damn it. Why would you do that? What cruel merciful god friend? would put you on this earth to take away the only thing that gives me purpose in this world? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> Anyways, that's the dark end of this path. Yeah, yeah, oh, if this old god. manga was written by Andrew, you can guess it would end very differently. <laughs> no, that'd be the Gen Urobuchi arc. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh god. You're right. That's the most that's that's the most saddening part. So voice acting wise though. Thankfully, Gen is no longer writing the Grimstark stuff, and he's having a fun time with his puppet pals. Hey! But yeah, no, uh, Craig's uh, got a very interesting tone of voice, and I think the filter works really well for him. It's just, mm -hmm. he sounds matter-of-fact, where it's just like, I asked him to not destroy this place. It didn't work out well. Mm -hmm. And it's just, he's a very chill robot companion who, he literally says... I was given the ability to evoke empathy with other or humans, mm -hmm. and it is that empathy, empathy that resonates with both those two girls and resonates with you as an audience member because he has empathy, and he is able to empathize with you and the fish and she that we ourselves find ourselves empathizing with him. He was creative to tug at our heartstrings. It is a shame that, that, yeah, that seems to be his entire purpose was, like, written into the show just for that purpose. Although I do, I like the fact that you pointed out that uh, he's very matter-of-factly because it's yes. really hard for voice actors sometimes to have, to be emotionless while still being engaging. And you can definitely argue that this character is just matter-of-factly to the point of lacking emotions, but it's never boring to listen to. It is continuously engaging, and I kind of wish that they'd brought him along for the adventure. I wish they would have at least brought the fish, too, honestly, just because I thought that would have been... It would... I realized... My, here's my thought process. I thought it would have been fun to see you be a pet owner, and then in the next episode, guess what fucking happens? She's a pet owner! She gets one. She's a pet owner that spoils cut rotten. And this is a 20. Uh, what oh do you want? God. I want to eat the 20. It's I literally eat like the 20. This bullet's an 8.5. This one's a 12.7. And this one's a 20. I want to eat, eat the 20. Which, God, that is the cutest out of context thing in the world. And my God, it is horrifying. It is adorable and horrifying to watch this tiny little albino weasel. <laughs> Basically <laughs> sucking and weeding on an actual bullet. It's the albino blob thing, but weasel. Jesus. He's basically a ferret meerkat. <laughs> Fur Wait, hold on. Ferret? Meerkat. Oh, ferret. Ferret? What, ferret. what the hell a is a ferret? ferret? What's a ferret? A ferret, is a, a ferret is a Pokemon, okay? Look, 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 Andrew, Andrew, put down the beer, okay? Put it down. Look, I go... Look, I could have gone to see Detective Pikachu tonight, but I wanted to talk about the good girls at the end of the world, okay? I mean, Noah, Noah, if he's on the beer stage, at least it's a step up from Windex. God damn, don't even remind me. <laughs> Man, that's a joke that only the old viewers will get. That, I'm, 
I am so glad that we upgraded him because, my god, once you go Windex, it's really hard to get you off again. It's alright, I trained him very well. He doesn't like he doesn't like the Windex no more. <laughs> thank, thank god. Thank god. So Anyways, so, uh, are we talking about cut two? Yeah, just a free-for-all. Okay, cut, uh, there's this innocence to this character's voice about cut trying to learn about what's going on around him and gradually increases in intelligence. Yeah, he's a, the point, he adapts quite a bit in the like the three episodes we only get to have him for. Mm -hmm. He he becomes a baby boy. He, actually, you know what? We, we're de we're determining gender of this thing that is. It's it's cut it's cut is cut. Yeah, it's it's not cut is it. It is a adorable thing that is basically like I'm looking over at my bed right now. It basically would be perfect as a body pillow just like you know grow it up a little bigger and you it kind of would be just so long as the giant one doesn't eat you <laughs> let's be real that's probably somebody's fetish that <laughs> <laughs> damn it babe no, not, look if, if we have to say the v word on this episode i am breaking all of the metaphorical mirrors look anyways he is a big and fat cut and he's a very good cut that he is uh, Lilac, I'm sure that uh, you. I would I would stroke that cut a lot because cut seems like he would be very fun to play with. Phrasing, Andrew. Phrasing. <laughs> Phrasing. I'm really going out of my way. I'm taking the microphone away from you, though. I, uh, Lilac. Anyways, uh, no, 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 no. Lilac, look, uh, look, look, look. Kaylin's very cute and adorable and innocent as as cut, and I really like it. A cut and cuts adorable, and uh, he went with his people, and his people need him. <laughs> I have this, to go where people this, need me. <laughs> this episode is turning to ET all of a sudden. Awesome! <laughs> what a cut! <laughs> Alright. Um, I'm in strong agreement with Cut. Cut is cute and adorable. Um, Kaylin, while um, being cute and adorable, uh, like kind of Andrew was saying, he Cut does adapt and grow. And basically kind of like a child actually would in a way. Um, and having that portrayal, adapting to the world around it, um, and to Chi and you, and like this curiosity, like this, like a child, was, was very interesting to see. Like this curiosity and growth in the character, in just a short span of time. Cut is very adorable. Cut is a cutie pie. Too good and pure for this world. And, um, can, can I take some of the edge off of the the harsh "We are the last people on Earth" world setting? Doesn't it? Kind of does. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then for the robot, again, episode nine is probably one of my favorites because of the interesting themes behind it, um, and what it means like to be a living being. Anyway, but um, Craig is definitely Craig's portrayal of the robot. I'm gonna call him Wally. Fuck it. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of Wally. Let's take a vote here. Does anyone object to calling this robot Wally? Anybody? No. He's Wally. He's Wally without the heteronormative life partner. I, I'm try I'm sorry. I'm trying to, to counter you because I love arguing, but now I can't really argue with you on that one. <laughs> it does. He does have a similar like environmentalist angle to it. You know, don't destroy the plant. Don't eat the fish. I think Craig's portrayal of Wally over here is probably one of the main reasons why I really also enjoyed the episode, aside from the philosophical themes, because. 
like like we were all saying, he's very matter of fact, and he ha he's kind of aged to him, which is also very interesting. I think it's probably the filter that that the mixing team used on him, mm -hmm. and um, he's very matter of fact, and it's just he's an he's a bit of an exposition dump, but at the same time, he's very communicative, he's very informative, um, and he's just like, do not eat the fish. This is my friend. <laughs> I mean, even for as much, like, grief as you gives him because of the fish... Repeat after me. Fish are friends, not food. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I am cutting that... <laughs> we are go... We, we, we went on another Disney spree. We went from Wally to Finding Nemo. Oh, God. By the end of this, we... we okay, so we'll go to the Cars references with the motor... No, don't... No, don't be such a cut. Really, <laughs> God Angie? Damn it. Really? I expect All right. Well, I thought who who gave who gave Andrew the microphone again? I, I, All right, I'll stop, stop. I'll stop. Get out of here. <laughs> He's like, you need to stop. Child. Here, here, here. You see this chocolate? You see this chocolate here? Go fetch. Go fetch, Andrew. Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> oh, no, I can't eat that. Ah. <laughs> Good job, Noah. Good distraction. Um, but yeah, I think as one of the stronger philosophical episodes, you have to have. A very interesting character, kind of like what Andrew was saying earlier, to challenge Chi and Yu's viewpoint on things. And um, having Craig in that particular role, I think, was a very strong move. And he and he captive and he was very captivating in the performance, honestly. And yeah, thank goodness for that too, because I I always viewed the robot as sort of uh, a representation of every robot that had ever existed in this giant city, because it's not yes. just one. It's like an entire country of how yeah. large it is. We never see the full scale of it. We start at one level and we've gone up a couple levels by the end of it. This thing is too huge. You know that to sustain all the people who used to live there, that there were all kinds of machines that were living that were trying to make life better for all of humanity. So, like, imagine a million Greg Daly voices for every robot that ever existed in this world and its prime. And for, and for Kalen's, uh, she gets a lot of fun in having these pixelated broken fragments of speaking that I think was meant to, yeah, it was definitely meant to lighten up the mood a little bit before the, the bit of a dirge of the final episode um, without being too off-putting because we actually see Cut early on in the show. Do you guys remember the giant statues of Cut that we yes. see early on? Yes. We yeah. Like, I remember Andrew was saying, I'm only up to episode six, but I haven't seen this cut character yet. And I'm just thinking, oh, oh, oh you have. Yeah, I, it obviously didn't It didn't click for me until we actually were introduced to the character of cut. But yeah. Yeah, apparently cut is a god if that one episode is to be believed because they, they set up statues of giant cuts in almost shrine like settings. And I'm assuming this because, like, like we find in the last episode, the cuts, because we don't we don't know what they're called. The cuts are basically giant, uh, eat the weapons and get rid of them because they're destroying our lifestyle. Which yes. I can see, I can see why that would lend itself to sort of a uh, religiosity. So what you're saying is there's a lot of different uh, statues that look similar or akin to cut in this world. Yes, there are, and we knock over a couple of them. So what you're saying is, the world is full of massive cuts. Okay, Andrew, I want you to look at All my right, face. Alright, that's enough from Andrew, you. Andrew, look at my face. No, no, look over here. Look it over here. Look at my face. <laughs> I'm gonna punch you in the face. Next time we <laughs> I meet. will deserve it. <laughs> I, I will deserve it. Babe! Andrew, I, I am disappointed right now. 
I, I, Look, I know we have to have a serious conversation, but I can't stop laughing. Let's continue the serious say, conversation. As, as your girlfriend who loves you very dealer, dearly, I am disappointed right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being a bit of a cut right now. I will stop. Okay. Andrew! <laughs> See, this is why yeah. I brought, this is why I brought these two along because I I can oh, think of Lord. no one better who would absolutely ruin a deep philosophical show with absolutely horrible horrible jokes. So thank you, not not you so much, Lilac. You're just here to rein both of us in. It's what I do. So speaking of uh, reining in, I think we should move on to the next set of characters, all two of them, because even though humanity is basically dead we don't see any of them which you're right andrew it does kind of surprise me there aren't any bodies around but there are a couple remnants of humanity still floating around the city doing whatever they can to survive and two of them humanity may not be dead humanity has just declined i, I can't incorrect show but close enough can't, that 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 was a show that was incredibly dire while still being exceptionally bright and shiny but for this particular show we have two characters who have not declined just yet we have Kanazawa, who we meet in episode 3, and is most prominent for being a map maker, and also gives the girls a digital camera, which they use to record their adventures from that point going forward. We also encounter Ishii in episode 6. She is a mechanical engineer who is tasked herself with recreating an airplane, all for the sake of trying to get to the next town over, and... Um, well, we'll probably discuss exactly how that plan goes, but point being, these are the only two other human characters that we see in the entire world. Of this point forward, it is just the two main characters. So, got two main character, got two side characters. Got to give them good voice actors. So, for Kanazawa, we have Mark X. Laskowski, and for Ishi, we have Stephanie Whittles. Mark has been around for a while at Sentai. You've heard him. You've heard him as Kota in High School of the Dead. You've heard him as this is an older dub, actually. You've heard him as Junai in Martin's successor Nesco, oh, and wow, yeah. you have heard him as Duck Leader in Suritama. And that one is just for you, Megan. I will include Suritama whenever I can in these cast lists. Now for Ishi being voiced by Stephanie Whittles. Stephanie has also been around for a while. You've heard her as Arina in Food Wars. You've heard her as Megami in School Love. And you have heard her as Shino in Gate. Two uh, distinct characters that they don't interact with each other, but they are equally as important with each other to the overall plot of the story. Uh, Lilac, any key thoughts? Hmm. Back to the subdued performances again. Uh, <laughs> um... Let me find my notes on these characters. I didn't exactly get to write much many notes, which sucks. But that's you know. okay. I mean, the, both these char characters are one-off characters that we never see again. Um, there's, there's this really dire moment where uh, you basically starts talking about Kanazawa like he's dead. Yep, that was fun. <laughs> like you stop talking to him like he's dead. It's like thanks, Kanazawa. We will miss you. It's like he's not dead. <laughs> as far as you. We know. As far as we know, if he's not dead, you. Um, but yeah, speaking of Kanazawa, I think Mark, he fits the really calming tone it's with the sub with the subtle nature of the show. Um, he's also shows a lot of intelligence and creativity. He's like both Kanazawa and Ishii remind me intelligence wise kind of of Chi if she was a bit more grown up. And she had, and she got to read a, bu a bunch more books, <laughs> basically. Interesting. Um, because Kanazawa, 
he's going around, he's making these maps of the town and everything just so he can, like, just out of his own curiosity, he's creating these maps, really. Yeah, because, yeah, no one else is, almost no one is probably going to be able to see these again, but there, there is mm -hmm. a human portion of the brain that says, I want to understand this, and I really, really don't know why. Right. And the second that he loses the maps on the lift when they were going upstairs, it's just uh, like, no. just leave me! Let me fall with them. My life that, has no meaning. That hit me so hard because I, I also I have a every if I lost my writing pages I I also like just throw me off of the elevator. I don't want to go on living. Yeah, it, like it's every every creative person ever. <laughs> it was like I lose the second I lose everything. It's like just leave me here to die. It's fine. Or, or, I cannot go on. <laughs> or, or if we were to take all of Andrew's pages of My Hero Academia's manga and throw them off the elevator, I imagine he would have a similar reaction. Um, I would murder you. <laughs> he wouldn't want to die. He would just murder you for just throwing off. I, I, I'm sorry. I meant they accidentally fell off of the elevator 60 stories. Look, I, look, I can't read it on Shonen Jump now, but I like having the collection. <laughs> And that collection, at this point, has cost me probably 200-something dollars. So I'd be really pissed if you got rid of my physical stuff like that because you're an asshole. So note the self. Lilac, Don't I, know. I think we need to pull <laughs> no an Ocean's Eleven-style heist <laughs> of Andrew's manga collection. And for the record, this is not even counting the limited edition sets, which, if you fucked with those, um... <laughs> there won't be an rip, episode four. Rip your heart! Rip your heart out and squeeze it and eat it in front of all of those you love. Noah, it's fine. So here's the plan. I'll distract him. You steal everything. I like that plan. Because I am a great... I am the perfect distraction for him. It's fine. Oh my God. Uh, Anyways, what the fuck were we talking about? I, I, oh, right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we, we, were talk, we were talking about... Um, yeah, I, I think we were talking about uh, Release the Spice, right? No. Jesus. No. No, <laughs> Kanazawa. I, I, lost I lost track. Yeah, Kanazawa. Kana oh, right, the camera guy. Yeah, the, the camera. camera guy. The map guy. But yeah, his his story is actually really interesting where he's just kind of helping the girls out a little bit. But um, you can tell he's, you can tell that he's very passionate about his map making. Only just for the sake of his own curiosity. And it's very interesting. Um, similar can kind of be said about Stephanie Whittles as Ishii. Mm -hmm. Because she's the only other female character where we meet mm -hmm. in the show. And she just wants to build a plane and fly across the water to the next city over. Yeah. That's all she wants to do. I mean, it does help that uh, that wasn't in her entire goal just out of nowhere. She kind of stumbled across the blueprints for yeah. uh, a plane-producing factory. And then she took that technology and tried to make it into a functioning airplane again. Yep, exactly. So it's not like it's just a random thing that she just thought up of or invented on her own she just found happened to find the old blueprints for it and she's just like you know what and she just looking across the way and sees a city over there is like i want to go over there i have these blueprints i'm gonna make a plane <laughs> so she's very interesting um uh, da -da -da -da. i have to ask because uh lilac you were on the food wars episode with me and we talked a little bit I about was. stephanie's portrayal of arena uh who's the the, the lead female who i like music. her here more because okay, <laughs> i remember we had some dissenting words about that and i was gonna ask yeah you, we did you like her better here uh what, was, what did uh, i write down for her 
I still like her a lot as Megune. That that was a. I don't think anyone had any qualms with her in that show. But that was Megune. A, she's the teacher in School Live. Ah, uh, yes. Again, I have not seen this show. There we go. Oh, <laughs> she she's a she's a sweetheart. Just absolutely, you know, she's someone that you could really sink your teeth into. I haven't even seen the show, and I already know. Noah, 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 Noah. I'm actually gonna tell you to cut that one just because. Fuck you. You can't make me. <laughs> you know what you can do about trying to control my editing? Nothing. What I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, ain't he a huge cut? All right, that's it. No, we got to start this heist. Let's start this heist right now. Just okay, all right, my you go to distract stuff. him. Here, Here is yep, your cocktail gotcha. dress and a microphone. I'm going there to go. No! over the place here you know I, i'm just gonna while you're doing you're distracting him i'm gonna talk while about I'm mark and stephanie a little bit go ahead because um with the the subdued way that everyone is uh, told to act in the show um these two are a bit older like they're they're meant to be at least in their 20s it seems like um mark's portrayal i, I don't like using the term normal to describe a voice actor because there is no such thing as normal everyone has an accent everyone has a dialect for some people, it's just less noticeable because it sounds closer to what your normal, your speaking voice is already like. And with Mark, we definitely get a very unassuming young man voice that I would not pick for being from any particular part of the country. It's very unassuming. But that's a good thing because he's got this high emotion to him, especially when he loses his map, that really connects with anyone else like you were saying like, like any like academic types who've ever been passionate about something um and it does help that in this world where almost everyone is dead you w might fear that it may be a bit of a mad max situation where there's at least one or two insane people still trying to control what little of society is left but we don't run into any characters like that and mark also like emulates the kind of people who he helps them out by blowing up a building to build a bridge for them or he helps take them to the top of the building and he gives them a camera he gives them a camera like who do i wouldn't give anyone a camera and i'm a normally nice guy so mark's overall portrayal of that again really nice kind of probably supposed to emulate the sort of emotional academic people who would watch the show anyway so Good job on Mark for doing it as a nice guy. Now, Stephanie's uh, Ishii is also really laid back. It's like this really laid back speech pattern without any eccentricities to it. Like, again, she's kind of, she hasn't given up on life, but she's definitely uh, not angry about anything. You would think in a world where society had basically destroyed itself that someone would be mm -hmm. bitter about it, but she's not really. And it is very enjoyable watching her not only interact with the girls, but also how she embraces the failure that was her airplane. So, uh, and Andrew, you want you are free to jump in now. I am free, and I shall talk. Um, so, Kanazawa is a very... I think the thing that's interesting about these two characters in particular in a show like this is that as you were establishing earlier... This is not a post-apocalypse where it's every man for themselves. Mm -hmm. This is a post-apocalypse where no man is left. All they can do is help the fellow men until there are no men. Yeah. And that's as fascinating and kind 
as it is terrifying to realize. Like, terrifying to, th that we don't already do that? It's literally like, there is no reason for ugliness and conflict because there's nothing left to gain anymore. That's true. Like, it's only gonna be these people. No one's Pretty being much, yeah. born, or almost no one else is being born. Like, the two sides of the coin is, this is the kindest, like, apocalypse where everybody is helping each other out. But everybody's helping each other out because there's nothing left to take anymore. True. So sit on that thought for a while. Anyways, Kanazawa is a good boy. He's a little scraggly, but he's doing his best. He's a good photographer, too, and you can t really feel for him when he lost his map. Outside of that, Mark does a very solid job sounding, like, laid back and like he knows his stuff, but also very defeated when he loses his map. But he's a good boy, and he's a good boy who takes a lot of good pictures. I really like the camera filter of the show and how it's really captures these moments in this very grainy aged format mm -hmm. it's it's really neat also while we don't go into it more we see his entire uh photography library which is which is a whole bunch of mini stories in and Pretty of itself much, yeah. but i think the most notable one about him is that he had a female companion once once and we never saw her mm -hmm. we never saw her as of the relation, it doesn't matter because she's probably dead. Anyways, I know I'm sort of setting a very bittersweet tone here, but that will be established even further by Ishii. Because Ishii's whole thing is to fly somewhere else. Fly away from this world that is lost, that is empty, that is dead. To fly away, to reconstruct Give all the hard work, time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into reconstructing this plane. And even after all that work, she flies it. It goes Challenger. And then... Okay, well, okay, it doesn't fully go char Challenger. She survives. She's alive. She's alive, so she's already better off there. Yeah, ironically, um, for a show like this, nobody dies. Yeah! Yeah! The, the only one, not on screen. No, the only one who dies is the is the robot that was trying to dismantle the fish's aquarium, and we could question whether or not that's death. Anyways, back to my point. Yes. Uh, all of her hard work goes up in smoke. All that's left for her to do is smile and accept her fate. Yep. Because that is the true essence of nihilism. Is this one image I saw is the expectation of what nihilism is. And what nihilism actually is. The expectation is this dark, gray image of a kid hunched over saying, Nothing in life matters. When nihilism is actually this really hyper-colorful 90s kid photoshopped image of a cool tubular kid with sunglasses putting his thumbs up saying, Yeah, nothing in life matters. And wow. she has fully adopted that <laughs> second image nihilism in that moment. I, I love it, Andrew. You went yeah. from John Wick Keanu Reeves to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures Keanu Reeves in, like, that. Tubular. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think Stephanie does a good job. She sounds like a very 
cool and chill science lady. She's it looks good in the lab coat, but she's a good chill lady, and I'm w glad that she at least saw. I'm glad she tried and failed instead of sitting back and dying. I mean, that that would have been a very different kind of episode. So I'm also glad that they didn't go that route. Also, those potatoes look fucking tasty. Yeah. They didn't even look like potatoes. They look like fit. They, they look do. like like meat buns. Side note, speaking of the whole thing with the plane not working or everything, the second that the plane fell apart, I verbally was like, no! I, like, to my TV, I'm like, no! I was hoping this would succeed! And then I was sad because I thought she died. And then we're just like, see your parachute down. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> now, see, if it had succeeded, that would have gone against the entire episode of the theme of the episode, which, keep y in mind, right. that was you just singing, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. No, I get it, but I mean, like, the fact that I verbally <laughs> just sat there and looked at my TV, I'm like, no! And yeah, and I'm really so glad, like I said, it. I'm glad that they kept it to, <laughs> you know, nothing really succeeds in this world, because, yeah, this isn't the show that's meant to give you hope and optimism, it's kind of meant to, it's kind of meant to make you think about the world that you're in. No, like, not really. Re but it's also not, like, miserable either, it's... That's true. Yeah, it's not. I mean, there's there's small, very, very small twinges of, like, hope to it. And it's those small twinges of hope that make you, as a viewer, feel very hopeful, hopeful and optimistic of the situation. Like, despite all of the things that are going on that are kind of bleak and dark, it's always, no matter, no matter what, whether it's, like, real life or in a show like this, it's the tiniest bit of hope that you get from it. That kind of just like mm. is like okay. It is might because be fine in watching the show, like there were, like you said, there were tiny moments that kind of made me re-examine my own life, and like not not a super deep way, but Absolutely. still just step back because I'm like watching this at work or watching it at home, and I kind of step back and think, you know what, my life's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like I got a lot to be grateful for. Thank you, thank you, show for kind of making me realize that. Yes. Yeah. You have a pretty good family. We at Dub Talk have a pretty good family. A family can be anything, including two girls, a gun, an albino weasel, and a tank bike. <laughs> I, I, for once, Andrew, I really appreciate your segues. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you very much. So we've been going for about a good hour just talking about the, the show and the nuances <laughs> and the side characters, but that's not what you came for. You didn't come to talk about that. You came to hear us talk about the two Moe blobs, the two Hitamari sketch rejects, the two lead characters of this show. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hitamari that's sketch is not a bad show. That's insulting to these two girls, but, all right? Hey, I haven't seen Hitamari's sketch, so I don't give a shit. That's insane. We'll make you watch that later, and you tell me these two don't look like they belong in that show. Those two characters in general would happen to be Chito, who uh, we shortened it down to Chi, and Yuri, who we just shortened down to you. Uh, two young girls. Uh, Chito is the driver, the over-analytical one, the overly critical one of nonsense, and also the most scared of the two. She does not like heights. She really does not like scary things, so she depends very heavily on Yuri, who is the goofy blonde one who has a face like rubber, who is always hungry, who is making weird observations, 
does not have the best head on her shoulders for common sense, but is also the least fearful of the two, and understands the necessity of keeping yourself protected in a world like this, because she will steal that fifth ration if she wants to, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. She, she will eat that fish. She will steal that fish. It was so disturbing, though, that they, they ate the fish in episode two, and then they just put the bones back in the water like, oh, that that, that tones for everything. See, catch and release. Like, no, no, it's gone. You ate it. There's nothing left. They, look, basically, instead of thanking, like, in, that's basically this show's interpretation of putting your hands together and saying thank you for the meal is returning the essence of the meal back to whence it came. Ikidakimasu! Wait, 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 Lilac, were you, were you singing the song I think you were singing? Oh, I thought you were singing, so long, so long, no. so long, so long, and thanks for all the fish. No! But um, these two uh, <laughs> characters no. um, do happen to have English voice actresses who uh, we shall not talk about, because for voicing of Chi, we have Cat <laughs> Thomas, and for you, we have Juliet Simmons. Now, Kat Thomas is interesting because um, she has only had, to date, 11 anime roles. So she's actually a very new talent on here, and I don't think that we've talked about her on an episode yet, but we will So, but we will on a couple of other future episodes. So this I is the first for us. We so. get to talk about her. But you have heard her in shows such as Armed Girls Machiavellism as Sasa. You've heard her as Yoriko in Just Because. And you may have heard her as Anne in Mysteria Friends. Like I said, there's a couple other roles, too, that she's had, but those are for shows that we'll probably talk about in the future, so stay tuned. Now, Juliet Simmons, though, you've heard in a lot of things, because she's been around for a good while at Sentai. You've heard her as Mayumi in Food Wars. You've heard her as Sonata in AKB48. And, I don't know, there's this really unknown show that you should check out called Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. Uh, she... she yeah, yeah, she, she, I, I don't think anyone else has heard of it before. It's, like, really obscure. Like, you know, like, no one's heard of it. She, she is the English voice of the world's biggest disaster moron sexual. Yeah. Wait, I thought we were, are you talking about yeah. this show or Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun? <laughs> no, sh look, she's not attracted to a moron in Monthly this show. Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. Uh, hmm. We, we can get to the Yuri under... <laughs> you gotta watch your words on that. <laughs> he now realizes, yeah, like, so. wait. <laughs> Anyways, Noah, I'm very excited to see your hour-long uh, critical character dissection. Don't you lie, don't you lie, Andrew. You know that you've got a novel-length episode breakdown of these two characters as well, just, but it's not, like, super in-depth. It's just 50 pages of squee! It's not 50! It's 35, get it right, <laughs> Well, I may as well take the bowl on this one, because to talk about these two characters is to talk about the entire show itself, really. They're, the other personalities were definitely crafted Pretty to bounce much, yeah. off of each other. They're not idealized similar to each other. They are in the classic vein of the odd couple. They are two conflicting personalities that work well in this post-apocalyptic environment. Uh, cheese entire uh, i'm really serious and i'm into books that kind of mentality is really necessary in a world where they have to be practical because no one's coming to save them they have to investigate the facilities that are left to create food or get water or get fuel or anything like that and cat's uh portrayal of it is 
really kind of similar to a... I, 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 maybe it was just the way I was hearing it, but it kind of sounded like she was going for a young boy voice. Uh, much less on the Moe side, and much more on the young male character voice. Um, because she's got this really funny deadpan snark that contrasts with Yu's goofier personality really well. But she do she's not afraid to bear the higher emotions that she has as well. Uh, she gets scared when they're about to die off of falling off of a ledge. She does not like um, any high places. And she's also very defensive about her books. Like, she gets super defensive when they find a book that she can't read. Which is really funny because it's written in English characters, so in the Japanese that would be unlegible. But in our language, it's like, what do you mean you can't read that? You're speaking English right now. But her entire portrayal is really... Uh, like, I think it was actually my favorite of the two of them earlier on because... It's, it's like she really gets the deadpan version of it. It's the clo it's closer to the Japanese than Yu's was closer to her Japanese. So talking about Juliet Simmons really quickly, it's hard to get moe voices in English sometimes. Not just sometimes, a lot of times. If you've ever tried to do it, you either get a really unconvincing, super high-pitched, and not quite convincing English voice acting, or you get Brittany Karbowski. And uh, really, there's a wide range between the two of them. So for this show, they decided not to give Yuri the same goofy Moe voice in English. They gave... Juliet gives her more of a... It's it's a little nasally, and it's goofy speaking, but it's still... It, but it's more like a childlike sense of wonder about it. It's much more empathetic to her character than it is in the Japanese. Because the Japanese, she was a joke a lot of the times because we were supposed to laugh at her goofiness. But in this one, Juliet gives her more gravitas, more seriousness. It's really easier to connect to because, yeah, you could empathize with the idea that I just want to eat the fish or I just want to get to the end of this and I don't want to follow the arrows. I just want to go wherever I want. So that, that's my breaking point on talking about this. Um, Lilac, tell me your thoughts. Oh, where do I even start? If we want to go complete and utter typecast stereotype of these two mm -hmm. characters, like, very, very base surface level. True. I think they they flat out say that at one point. Pretty much. That's the base level, surface level construct of these two characters. Because you, right off the bat, you are, from the beginning, you know she is very intelligent. She loves to, she's she has a curiosity and loves to learn from books. Um, and you can tell she's very, she's a pretty educated little girl. Um, you on the other hand, she's, go she's a goober, first of all. But, um, she's the tough girl. She will kick your butt and fight. She's the only person who really handles a weapon in the entire show, minus Chi in the last episode. Um, but mm -hmm. she, she's the only one that consistently handles some kind of weapon on her. Um, and... She, at the same time, too, though, it's interesting the dynamic between these two characters because mm -hmm. they do challenge each other in their own little way. Like, she challenges Yu's thinking with her intellect, but Yu, on the, op the opposite hand of it, she challenges Chi a few times as well. Um, both with, like, as a devil's advocate playing off of, well, what about this situation or this? But then the moment that kind of stands out for me in terms of this in, this thing this in particular is um remember the, with, the it was one of the early episodes yeah, with the rations and 
and and the how the um, they were splitting episode. a bag. They were sitting on top of the plane or something like that. I think it was the first episode. They're on top of the plane. They're they're eating the rations. There's like five sticks of rations in a pack, and um, basically. They were kind of just having this little philosophical conversation, and all of a sudden, they get to this last one, and use just, like, c- like kind of threatening Chi. Like, she, in a way. Like, she's threatening holding her Chi that she gunpoint. would, like, kill her. In- yes. So she, it's very interesting, and I think that was one of the first moments where I was like, oh... This is, this is getting very interesting for me in the in the whole show. Um, so they do challenge each other. So there has to be a very strong, very strong dynamic between the two, um, be- because of all of these different philosophical philosophical moments that they come across, but also because they challenge each other. And I think in on both sides of it, honestly, I I enjoyed both of them. Cat Thomas. Um, took a little bit because I for me to get used to because I never heard of her before, um, but she really got into a stride um, after only a few episodes for me. Um, <laughs> but Juliet Simmons, <laughs> she's so precious. <laughs> Juliet is so precious. Oh God, you <laughs> magically became my favorite character in the show. <laughs> she's <laughs> excuse me. You is very adorable. In a dry, she has dry humor. Really? She is kind of the more cynical one in a way. Um, you, I think she kind of is. Um, you is very funny. She's kind of a dimwit, <laughs> um, but she also there's more to you than what she like. Yeah, like, like archetype wise, you would you can't take her for being a, like, like a handful value. and only like interested that- in eating and lounging about kind of character. Right, but that early that episode early on where she holds Chi at gunpoint tells you like, oh shit, she actually knows she actually knows a lot more and is a lot more and maybe possibly a little bit more intelligent than what you would be led to believe. Uh, granted, you don't you don't grant you don't really see many more of those specific moments. They're very few and far between between for you. Um, but it's very interesting that Julia gets to portray all those aspects. So. As a duo that has to lead this entire show, they have they have to carry the show on their on their bike, basically. <laughs> Lack of better words, I think they both handled it very very well. Um, I've I've loved Juliet Simmons as an actress for a while, and Kat Thomas. I'm intrigued to hear her in more things, but um, yeah, it's a very interesting dynamic, and in that you have to have that strong dynamic in the perform in the vocal performances in order to keep. The audience mm-hmm. captivated and keep them from getting bored, especially in a show like this, with 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 such in depth intellectual the, moments. The only thing I think I would challenge you on that is I think it's less that you is the cynical one and more that she is pragmatic compared. Oh, okay. Sorry, that was my bad. I, I said she was the cynical fair. one first of all. Okay, so. But no, I, I, well, I do she agree with you, Andrew, one. that pragmatic is a pretty good way to describe so, you. Noah, question. Yes. What should come first? Discussion of the actor performances or discussion of character analysis? For the sake of our podcast, why don't you talk about the actor's portrayal Okay. First? And then we'll, we'll use your discussion of the actual character's 
to no, it's okay. We'll we'll eat. That's totally I fair. Mixed and the I, two. that's kind of what I was thinking I was gonna do anyways. I just wanted somebody to tell me to do it. Anyways, so I'll start. First off, I'll start with Cat Thomas. While she is arguably the central main character of the two, I also think that. Okay, how do I put this? I think she was cast correctly in regards to her performance. But I'd almost think that. Mm. She is almost too monotone and flat at times. I think that Mm. for the most part, the show calls for her Mm. to play somebody who is very quiet, who is very matter-of-fact, who is very... not really phased or shocked by a lot of things in this world, and they just do things. The problem is, she is not always matter-of-fact and quiet. She sometimes has to emote. She sometimes has to react. She sometimes has to, like, cry and scream and get scared. And I'd argue, at least in the first half of the show, that's kind of Kat's weakness, is that she doesn't always convince me when she is actually reacting like when she is getting scared or when she is having a dream about being swallowed by her friend who has become a fishy i don't really believe a lot of like her screaming or panics i think it's a little rough at times that being said the further they journey on the further they go along i think she gets this character a lot better And she sounds a lot more natural in transitioning between the more stoic monotone and the more reactionary moments of, like, when they're relaxing and they're baking things or when they're eating things or when she is actually getting freaked out because they almost die in the spire or when she's afraid that she has lost her other half forever. Or, my personal favorite, when she gets drunk. When she gets drunk is, like, the moment... Like, I genuinely was having some criticisms, but when the, when she got drunk, I'm like, okay, you know what? It was adorable. Kat actually does have this down. I just think it took a little longer for her to grow into the role than I would have liked. But that being said, she when she does emote and get emotional and get those beats down, she is good. And for what the show requires her to be, she is successful at that. I just think she's a little rough at first, and it took a bit to grow into it. But I do think that by the by the end of the show, she does successfully grow into role, the role of Chi. That's good. Now, Juliet Simmons, on the other hand, from day from second fucking one, she's got this. She is you and the thing that's great about her is that like if i didn't know this was juliet i wouldn't have known because i know juliet has a very particular voice and she does comedy and she does spunky girl and she does drama stuff too but i have not heard her play what is basically a subdued stoic goober moe blob and she is all facets of this character perfect she is adorable and whiny but she's also kind of stoic matter of fact a little bit almost a little bit like she has some screws loose 
But she is not psychotic. She is just very, as I said, she's very pragmatic. Well, I think she is a little more sensitive. Like, for example, the gravesite. The gravesite is basically one of the biggest defining differences between these two characters is that she is sensitive to the lives that were lost. And she is sensitive to this is the only place that they can be remembered on this earth now. And I want to honor that. And the items that belonged in these desks, they deserve to be cherished and left alongside them in their memory. While you sees that and is like, oh cool, more supplies. Wait, why should I put this back? They're not gonna use them. We can use them. I don't get it. Why? Why should we leave it be for something that's not even going to be used anymore? And that scene is the biggest, biggest, like, difference in dichotomy between Chi and you as characters. I'm not quite yet there at character analysis yet, because I still want to talk about some of the fucking great line deliveries that you has, is... I love the delight of uh, her saying that you're a scaredy cat when she's shaking and afraid of heights on the uh, the lift with Kanazawa. Her her adorable little song when the, the bike breaks down and she's like, it's hopeless, it's hopeless, it's hopeless. By the way, Juliet Simmons can actually sing. Yeah. So she was probably on tune with this character <laughs> while also doing a voice that's different from herself. But... My favorite deliveries of her throughout the entire fucking show is she does she thinks the moon gives her power. So she so in her mind when it's a full moon instead of thinking boy that's a lot of light at night she thinks oh my god I am Sailor Moon fear my power no 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 she turns into he he man i have the power and basically she's just like moonlight power 100 percent. and she grabs a steel pipe and she starts wrecking shit in what is clearly a japanese office building and just starts wrecking shit everywhere mm-hmm. and she's laughing and having a good time and then she accidentally <laughs> yep. hits it's chi and everything goes quiet she's like ooh. Sorry, Chi. Before Chi just tackles her, it's like, this is what you get for being rude and irresponsible. It's like, oh, no. And, and, and I also love her delivery of, it tastes weird and fizzy in my mouth. And I thought, oh, my. Really? Really, Andrew? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so I would also like to say that this show has the single most perfect personification of the gay agenda I have ever seen. <laughs> Because, to me, there is no more defining representation of the gay agenda than two gal pals at the end of the world where everybody else is dead. They are the only people left in the world. It's moonlight. They're drunk off their asses. And they're dancing and having a good old time as they stroke each other's hair in the moonlight and probably eat some of it too. Which is definitely not inappropriate at all whatsoever is to eat her hair. Hey, that's protein right there. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the entire dynamic between them changes a little bit after that episode. And it's 
it's refreshing because after their antagonistic banter back and forth where it, like she insults you quite a bit throughout the show not that you don't deserve it but like she gets really condescending yep. towards any little thing that she says and it's really refreshing that we we go to but what do they really think of each but, other but yes uh juliet simmons is a perfect adorable precious cinnamon roll who i would protect with my life and i want her to eat all of the rations and have a very good life would you jump off of the elevator for her I mean, she would probably just pull me back up anyways. She's got the strength for it, and she's got the no-nonsense attitude. Anyways, I want to talk about comparing these two for a second. Because I think the thing that's really interesting about Chi is that she is more matter-of-fact, and she seems more level-headed, but she is also the much more emotional, sensitive, empathetic person of the two, which makes me believe that she is the older of the two just from that alone is that yep. she appreciates culture she appreciates what books have left behind which i also noticed it was an octagawa book um that got burned in the fire which i figured me- oh i didn't know yeah that. it was kappa by octagawa is what i saw in the subtitles which i figured megan would appreciate that boogo stray dogs call out uh but yeah um I didn't put I didn't put that together. Interesting. It's just she is more cultured. She is more sensitive and empathetic to what once was and to what was. You is a much more matter of fact, like just the world. She did not know the world when it was live alive. Basically, she was young and never really lived in a world that was alive. She mm-hmm. just kind of sees as survival. Like, she's not really emotional or... Neither of them are really, like, mourning a world that was gone. It's just they never knew the world that was. This is all they've ever known, and they're just contemplating what did come before right. us. And, like, she's just kind of like... I mean, there's food and stuff. There's all these weird spires. Life's got to be weird like that. She, she doesn't really think too hard about things like empathy and human life or its value until we get to the fish and the robot which it's actually genuinely fascinating to see that's why i think having a third party is interesting because the thing about she and you is that it's interesting to watch them debate these two ideals but there's no real way for them to really win it's just them discussing different opposing ideals and there's no real there's no real change in them it's just them kind of bouncing ideas back and forth like any uh first year college kid taking psychology 101 while they're high Mm -hmm. but it's actually really interesting to see you have a change of heart that's trying to save the fish because there's this important moment where it's like she empathizes with both the fish that is trying to not die and the robot the big robot that's just trying to do its job and she actually genuinely feels remorse when she has to take it down and it's this really interesting change in you as a person, as a character, watching her yeah. have this revelation of going from, I want to eat that fish because it's going to be tasty, to, I want to save it. And to see that revelation is really interesting. And that's why it's really mm-hmm. interesting seeing these two opposing ideals. They are a very good tag team of opposites that attract at the end of the world. And I think... It is really wonderful to see these two characters interact. Like, this is a a quiet, thought-provoking, taunting, yet beautiful show. 
And it is wonderful seeing, like, these characters that look goofy and look like they wouldn't be too out of place in uh, Lucky Star are having this very poignant dialect about what is life, what is loss, what is living, what is it like to live. Like, there's some great lines of dialogue that I want to highlight in particular that I didn't bring up. I wish we could stay alive without having to eat. But that wouldn't be living at all. I'm so glad you meant I had written that one down from episode 8, too. Uh, a couple others I want to mention. Uh, mm-hmm. How can you live if you're always afraid of mortal danger? And one of my personal favorites is the yep. end of episode 9. Something that really stuck out with me a lot. Actually, no, wait, there's one more I want to mention. is When they're discussing the giant killer robot and they're talking about weapons are bad. It's bad that they made these weapons. It's like... It's not the weapon's fault. It's the user that made them. That that was a... I mean, that was a little on the nose. Yes, like, there's a whole lot that was of really good. A subtlety throughout the show. That was, like, one of the most blunt portions oh, of the show. Oh, boy, you want to talk about, like... Bl- yes, it's a little blunt, but I think it gets the job done. And my personal favorite... Um, maybe life just means some like because they have the whole discussion of what is does it mean to be alive it means something that is breathing something that is eating and something like that and they think a robot cannot be alive and by the end of the episode they've changed what they think life and death really is maybe life just means something that has an end to it Mm -hmm. if there's not reconstruction after deconstruction then that is where it ends. And in my mind, those two lines of dialogue yep. summarize exactly what Girls Last Tour is all about. And with that, I am done, and I'm more than happy to go to Final Thoughts now. I mean, I think you kind of did. If that, that that was Final Thoughts on, on the show itself. But yeah, I do want to jump into what we thought about the dub overall, because... Yeah, we could sit here and dissect the individual episodes one by one all night long. But We'd be here forever. We we would... No, we wouldn't be here forever because, as we said, life is a thing that has an end to it, which is really... We'd be here a while. But we would be here for a while. But the entire point of the show is that it seems to be bringing out different reactions in different people because everyone goes into it with a different mentality, like your own mm-hmm. biases, your own politics, your own backgrounds, everything like that. But... The show, the way it's framed, the way it has two opposing viewpoints clashing off of each other in a world that is devoid of any other social stigmas, really can bring out a lot out of you. And if you just kind of let it wash over you, I really think that there's something in it that just about anyone can enjoy. So with that, uh, let's move on to the final thoughts of the dub itself. Uh, Lilac, I would like to hear, uh, does this get a thumbs up for you or a thumbs down? Short version, thumbs up. Uh, long, long answer, though. Um, anime in general is a great medium for a lot of things, and, um, philosophical undertones and themes, like this show, or, like, Akino's Journey, as another example. Yeah, Um, I'll get to that. It has very strong Akino's Journey vibes, too. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, anime is a great medium for these different kinds of things, um, and Girls Last Tour is no exception. Um... It takes the end of the world scenario, gives it to two girls, um, and they just travel 
and kind of learn things along the way. And they have some different, different questionable, like, again, philosophical, moral, ethical, a lot of different things come up. And it's very interesting to see this come through the eyes of two girls at the end of the world, um, inter- which brings me to the dub. It's hard. It's this kind of deep, mm-hmm. deep rooted them- thematics going on with the show. You have to be very careful in how you handle it in a dub like this. And I think it turned out actually rather well. Personally, to me, I think the strongest aspect of the dub itself is the writing on Marta Bechtel's part. Um, It, again, conveys those thematic moments very, very well, all the while making it entertaining with its subtlety and dry humor. Um, And then in terms of the rest of the dub, whether it's the direction, the mixing... Uh, the performances, it's very, I think it's very solid. Save for a little bit of a rough patch in the beginning um, as people are settling into their roles. Like, you have two very strong, capable female actresses who were able to carry this show for the long run. And I think it's a testament to not only them, but to Shannon Reed as a director. Um, being able to convey those different meanings and those themes um, between just two actresses, basically. So overall, um, this one is definitely an underrated sleeper Mm -hmm. kind of show, for sure, like a sleeper hit. So if you haven't seen this show at all, first of all, you should probably go watch it, especially if you're into the deep intellectual thinking, like we kind of are sometimes here. But um the dub itself is also very entertaining, and it's a lot of fun. So I enjoyed the show immensely. Very nice. Um, is there, there another guy in here who wanted to talk about the ooh, dub ooh, at all? Ooh, Anyone? Ooh, ooh. Me. Uh, me. Michi. Anyone? Michi. Uh, yes, mm. you. You're I'm there with the uh, the head with the million point headband on. I don't actually think it's a. I don't actually remember what the exact number is, but I remember it's a big number. It's a lot. It was the highest of Giggity. the high. Anyways, um. So, uh, I will say about the dub itself, I think, as I said, I think what Shannon Ree really excels at is a much more smaller cast, specifically because that means there's a little more to bring out of these performances that seem a little more focused, and time can be given properly to, like, the main things at hand. And I think what needed to be sold is the main two and this world. Every, everything else sounded really good but you needed the main two to be done right and the show to sound and seem really good i think i was a little rough with cat at first and i think it is a little rough at first i think both shannon and cat herself do an exceptional job by the second half really growing into the character of chi and building her up and making it something to look out for and i think they did a solid job with that i think juliet especially should be super super proud of the work that she did with you you as a character because it is adorable it is interesting it is complex but it is also cute as fuck and the world of girls last tour sounds alive even if it sounds like it's no longer alive anymore it's beautiful it's cold and empty but it is also it is chilling 
it is moving. And I felt immersed in a world that no longer was. And for that, even with some personal gripes about some performances and stuff, I do still stand by. The dub of Girls Last Tour is definitely worth your time. At Girls Last Tour, come for the Moe Blobs and for the really catchy theme songs and stay <laughs> for the really, really interesting reflections of life, humanity, and the, the post-apocalypse. I do... I do almost feel like um, like over explaining anything about the dub maybe maybe not be doing it enough service because you really do just need to hear it for yourself. This is definitely a dub where I can honestly say that I don't think that you could have asked for a better transcription from the Japanese. Like if you want the the same ideal experience that you got from watching it in the Japanese, but you want it in an English language, this will serve you perfectly well on it. It's not an easy thing. Like, it's really not easy to tell a couple of actors you're going to have di banter back and forth while you're traveling through an industrial post-apocalyptic city and you have to make it sound convincing and not boring. Like, that's not always very easy. This isn't a TED Talk. <laughs> yes. Not, welcome to my post-apocalyptic TED Talk. Yes, welcome to Kazuyuki's TED Talk. Today, we're going... God. Today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about... Religion, and we're going to talk about uh, what was that one thing in episode four about how, like, uh, I am a god now, as you says about herself. Yes, let's talk about death. I mean, let, let's talk about all of that because yes. every episode is distinct from one another. You you will not mistake any one episode from another. They have different discussions. They go to different places. They do different things, and throughout the whole thing, the voice actors, uh, particularly the lead actresses, really an amazing feat like it's not over the top it's not the kind of thing that i think would have won a w award for being overly dramatic or exceptionally funny it's but it's the kind of you have to make this enjoyable without boring the audience with making this material this dense heavy material engaging for listeners which they do so give it your time and definitely take some time to watch this. I thought it was very easy to watch. Like, I rewatched this whole thing in just a couple of days. That is how... Uh, mm. blah, blah, blah. This is how effortless it is to really sink your teeth into it. Um, and uh, d just because I have to say here, I do have to say, not only is this show, like, heavily reminds me of Kino's Journey, but I'm pretty sure that... Kino's journey was like a direct influence on it because there are so many talking points of this whole thing. Like they have, um, they have a motor. They don't have a motorad, but they have a kitten crad, which is basically the motorad equivalent. They have a character who is into flying machines, which they also mm -hmm. had in Kino's journey. And specifically, it ends off with them still going on the journey. So if you have any joy out of this show at all, definitely go watch Kino's journey too. I will pimp out that show till I have out pimped my life. But where can you watch this show? Well, I'm glad you asked, because Girls Last Tour is available, currently streaming over on High Dive. That is Sentai Filmworks' premier site for their entire streaming library. And for a measly $4.99 a month, you can have all of the unlimited anime they have up on their series, OVAs, even a couple of movies in there for your viewing pleasure. But Noah, I have a question, sir. What if $4.99 is a bit too rich 
for my blood. What if I could get 50% off of my first month's subscription to High Dive? Hey! I do believe that there is a code that if you plug into your subs- if you plug in when you register will get you 50% off of that subscription for a month. And what is that code again, Lilac? I forget. I believe it is Dubtalk2018. We- we'll put the whole thing in the description. And and side note, yep, and side note, um I know primarily it sounds like it's for new members of the subscription service um if you are an existing member that coupon still code still works for you for a month of your subscription that is correct so by all means tell them that dub talk sent you over you can also watch this show if you have uh verbs like premium package or through the high dive channel on verve as well or i believe it is currently out on blu-ray there i was going to mention both of those but thank you but see i didn't have to do this job both of these guys know the show well enough they know that you can subscribe to verve and watch high dive on there or they know that if you're the home video collector type you can buy the shiny beautiful limited edition blu-ray release of the show that is currently available which has all sorts of nice features, dog tags, and sti- stickers of our beautiful, wonderful, adorable little post-apocalypse girls giving a good old dab for all the good boys and girls. I don't understand why they fucking dab! I'm I'll sorry. tell you why. There's no world left right now. Are you seriously telling me that if you were the last person alive in Boston, that you wouldn't just dance like no one was watching? I wouldn't fucking dab! Stephanie, are you telling me you are anti-dabbing? Yes! When you think you know a person. Andrew, you've got some work to do. You've got some work to do. <laughs> I'm not sure how much further we can go in this. I can't I can't be with somebody who's going to shit on dabbing. How could you? I thought I knew you. How could you do this to me, Stephanie? I thought we had something. I mean, it's the little things in life. You've seen people break up over beanie babies before. You've seen them break up over the fact that one of them didn't get their goddamn McDonald's fast enough. But you have never seen a relationship until you find one who just refuses to dab before. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Bye, guys. No! (laughs) Bye, Andrew. Nice knowing you. (laughs) Nope, nope. Apparently we're done. Apparently we're done. I'm out. Goodbye. This is the Dub Talk Civil War, the pro-dab faction versus the anti-dab faction. (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) Oh no, what does that make you and me, Iron Man and Captain America now? Putting you aside, Andrew, I'm putting you aside right now to tell the viewers (laughs) out there that if you'd like to listen to more of the Dub Talk podcast, that, of course, subscribe to our channel here on YouTube, where we upload all of our episodes, new episodes every week. We're even trying out some new things with uh, a couple other non-podcast episodes that you may have seen floating around. More of those are coming very soon. Uh, we also have a Twitter, which is at Dubtalk Podcast. Uh, we have a Twitch, which is also at Dubtalk Podcast. And a Tumblr, too, I believe. Is that correct, Gladlock? Tumblr and an Instagram, although I think Tumblr is fucking dead. Until Pornhub right? buys it. <laughs> Now, see, if you say that now, and then in a couple of months that actually happens, that would be amazing. Please do that, Pornhub. Anyways. So, as we're finishing off here, I would like all three of you people to tell us who you are, so we can follow your work and finish off the night. Andrew. Uh, 
My name is Andrew. You can follow me on Twitter at MangaMan9000. I also go by the username ClassySpartan. I am a moderator for the Funimation forums and Discord, as well as another member of another anime-based podcast, uh, uh, Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where I am on there alongside fellow Dub Talk Podcast cohort, Jet. Very nice. Uh, Lilac, you uh, you have some things in the thing, don't you? I have all of the things in the things, yes. Uh, my name is Stephanie. I am also known as Lilac to some. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. Uh, and I also have a blog that I really should update. I made it to try and get back into blogging. I'm terrible at it. Work is busy. Um, it's lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com, where I just post basically whatever I feel like, honestly. No rhyme or reason to it. And my name is Noah Clue, who has a Twitter account, which is at Noah Clue. All, all of this is in the description, if you're curious. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel, which is Journey Traveler. We'll not be able to do much with it for a while, because by the time this episode goes up, I will have given birth to a new baby. Well, no, 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 hold on a second. I did not give birth. What is wrong with me? My wife would give another birth. No, no, I, I don't get to enjoy that experience, unfortunately. But I do get to be the support structure when my wife gives birth to our son, Leo who will be born by the time this episode goes up. I am so excited. It is two weeks from the day we record this. I cannot, I, I cannot believe it. I'm very excited, and I hope exciting. you have a fun time with Auntie the new Lila baby boy. <laughs> Thank you. As, as opposed to this episode, which was all about yeah. no people existing, I will have more people existing. I hope all goes well with the new baby. Anyways, Mr. Clue, thank you for your services. You may now enjoy your maternity leave. I'm, I, I can't correct him, people. I, I see he's trying to be nice. I, I know he's trying to be nice. So don't don't anyone point to the comments. It's called paternity leave, Andrew. Not a single one of you post that. That is not the secret code word to get the secret prize. <laughs> don't post that. <laughs> He is correct, actually. For in Noah's case, it's paternity leave, sweetie. Yeah. <sighs> Fine. At least I'm would be be I am being a benevolent manager and giving him the time off, okay? You don't manage anyone, goddammit. <laughs> I manage who I want to manage, damn it. Sir, sir, this is an Arby's. I think it's time we go get Alright, Lilac, we gotta get some fast food. Let's go get some McDonald's, shall we? Oh, God damn it! No, right. no, we need to go Ocean's Eleven again. Remember, I'm the distraction, and you're going to steal shit. Anyways, I think I think we've said our piece. Yeah, Girls' Last Tour, awesome show. Go read it, or watch it. I'm done. Oh, yeah, the entire manga is now available, all six volumes, by Yen Press in English. So if you want to pick up where the anime left off, you can. That's true. There is one volume of the manga that did not get adapted for the anime. So if you want to know how it really ends, now you can go find out. So, good night, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, yep. on my friends, Otaku. Anyways, uh, dab on the critics, okay? Oh my god, stop! <laughs> it's my party, I can how dab if I want to. Dab if I want to. Dab if I want to. You would definitely. Okay, if I'm it done. It was nice. It was nice you. knowing you, Andrew. We're done. We're Good over. night and otaku on. We're over. Bye. Good night, everybody. It's 
my party, I can dab if I want to Dab if I want to, dab if I want to You would dab too if it happened to you Stephanie, are you telling me you are anti-dabbing? I'm not sure how much further we can go in this. I can't, I can't be with somebody who's going to shit on dabbing. How could you? I thought I knew you. How could you do this? It's my party. I can dab if I want to. Dab if I want to. Dab if I want to. You would dab too if it happened to you. My girlfriend! When you think you know a person. Steph Stephanie. The world is over! This is the Dub Talk Civil War. The pro-dab faction versus the anti-dab faction. Dab on the critics, okay? It's my party, I can dab if I want to. Dab if I want to, dab if I want to. You would dab too if it happened to you. It's my party, I can dab if I want to Dab if I want to, dab if I want to You would dab too if it happened to you